19 verses 1 to 6 to see what God reveals to us about himself, what he is like as revealed in this psalm. The theme of Psalm 19 is the glory of God and further on, firstly, the verses 1 to 6 that we're looking at, we see God's glory in the creation and in his word and then in his people later on in Psalm 19. This psalm falls into three natural separate sections. God's glory as seen in creation, God's glory as seen in his word and God's glory as seen in the response of God's people. So if you get home and you've got nothing to do, get out Psalm 19 and read the rest of the psalm and you'll see those other two sections as well. This psalm has a lot to teach us about the God of the Bible. In this psalm, God is telling us about who he is, what he is like and what he has created. So let's turn again to Psalm 19 verses 1 to 6. The heaven declares, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. Let's see what this verse teaches us. Firstly, verse 1. It teaches us two things about God. Firstly, the God of the Bible is the God of glory. It says in verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. We've just sung that, haven't we? And is this true? What does this word glory mean? It's one of those words which is hard to define. The word glory speaks of majesty, the honour and the splendour of God. The God of the Bible is the most wonderful person, the most wonderful thing in all creation. Just as the universe is too great and too wonderful for us to fully comprehend, so God's glory is so wonderful we cannot fully understand it. But as we read our Bibles and look around our world, we can come to understand a little more about the glory of God. All we need to know about God is found in the Bible. It doesn't fully explain everything that we may want to know, but it is sufficient for our needs. The difference there between needs and wants. We might want some more information, but the information we need is there. God is so big, so incomprehensible, We cannot fully understand everything about him. We can understand the things he reveals in his word. Are you regularly reading and studying the Bible and growing in your understanding of who God is? That's important. Are you seeking to glorify God in the way you live? Are you seeking to please God or please yourself? Secondly, the God of the Bible is the creator. Verse 1 continues, it says, The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Here's a picture that will come on the screen of uh, uh, a day with uh, blue sky and white clouds which reminds us of how wonderful our creator is. I love to look up at the white clouds and the different patterns they make. Uh, Richard will tell you when we're out mowing sometimes, you know, you've got your head down, you're looking at the grass and the edges and occasionally we'll just look up and I'll say to him, hey, look at that. And you can miss it, can't you? Beautiful patterns in the sky. I love to do that. Last year I was um, sitting out in the wintertime, I was sitting out in the backyard reading and 
Um, I, I, like, I like planes. I like to watch the planes. And our house is right on the flight path from Melbourne and Adelaide. I think they come across and come in and then turn right and go out. And Anyway, I like to watch the planes come through. And I was counting the time between the flights. About every three minutes, four minutes, another flight had come through. And as I was watching, one of those days when that beautiful blue sky, not a cloud to be seen, and as I was watching to look for the next plane, I could hear it, I saw a cloud start to form. And it formed and got bigger, and then another one behind it. And I was just sitting there wrapped in this. It's just a great thing, isn't it, to, to see these clouds. Uh, the glory of God is seen in these, in these things. Um, I, I guess we can sometimes miss what God is doing. Uh, it's, like, it's like a master painter, except God is a master. Of course, we hang the master's works in, in uh, museums and libraries and art galleries, uh, but God paints that and it's gone just like that. Very quickly the clouds go, like a sunset, very quickly. You've got to be quick to get your camera out or it's gone. So God does this every day. It's like a masterpiece and he's doing that not just here but around the world. Um, on one trip uh, to Myanmar, we went via Singapore. We thought we'd try a different airline to see how it went and they were leaving uh, Singapore heading to Myanmar quite late in the day and as we're flying basically with almost the direction the, the sun is going, uh, the sunset started and kept going and going because the plane is flying with the sunset and it's just, just spectacular. I had a window seat and I just couldn't stop looking at it and I'm thinking, how do the pilots not believe in God? when you see that just long, 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 tremendous, all changing, because you're flying along, you know, at 1,000 kilometres an hour, you're moving fairly quickly. It's an amazing thing. It's a masterpiece. God is the master painter, the master craftsman, the master of masters. Even stormy skies with heavy rain and lightning, which we've seen a bit of lately. Uh, I've just got my car back from hail damage. And if you have a look at Sue's car, it's uh, got dents all over it. So, but even, even storms are wonderful. And so there's a picture coming up now of uh, storm clouds. That's a spectacular thing. Uh, I've tried to train, we've tried to train our kids when there's a, a storm coming through, thunder and lightning, to think, isn't this wonderful? Look, so don't be afraid like the dogs who run and hide in the kennel and howl, but to see the glory and the wonder of God. Even when our lives are darkened by many storms, these storms are still part of life in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. We've just been reminded of that with these events in New Zealand. But we can still focus on the glory of God in these storms. We all go through these rough patches in life. Expect them, but don't be distracted by them. Use them to glorify God. Are you going through a storm right now? I almost guarantee you are. You think sometimes you're the only one? But if we went round and asked everybody what problems, what difficulty, we'd all have something. If it wasn't current, it was a little while ago and we're still feeling the effects of it, or we're anticipating something coming up, an operation or some other storm that comes through life. The writer of the book of Hebrews in chapter 11 gives us many storms, storm after storm in the life of the old believers, the believers before our time. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12 verses 2 and 3, because he tells us there how to handle these storms. Therefore, since we are by, surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, 
Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. There's the secret. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Do you need to focus on Jesus as you enjoy your current storms or anticipate the ones to come? Verse 2 teaches us two things about God. Firstly, God speaks to mankind every day through creation. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Each day that we experience is like a sermon or a message from God. Creation's speech and testimony is without actual words, but its message is clear and can be understood by all mankind. Day after day, this message is repeated to us, that God is the creator of all things and of each one of us. Psalm 118 verse 4 says, This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Are you rejoicing in your trials? Many Christians start each day by thanking God for that day and before they go to sleep at night. As you're laying in bed, thank God for the day he's given you. Every one of them is a gift of grace. Are you rejoicing in spite of your storms? Forecast, multiple storm fronts are heading your way. Have you heard that on the news? Extreme weather. Well, that's my forecast for your life because that's what the Bible says. It doesn't say if you face trials, but when you face trials. Secondly, in verse 2, God speaks to mankind night after night through all the stars. The verse says, night after night they display knowledge. This regular display speaks of God's creative wisdom, his power and skill. These words refer to creation as shown so clearly at night as we look up at the millions, no, billions of stars and galaxies. Here's just a picture of one of those uh, galaxies, or many of them really. Uh, You can actually see very carefully in the arts, there's a man standing there. We are so small when we look at the night sky. Now, as you know, I have to get a quote from James in every message I speak, at least. So James 1.17, what does it say? It calls God the Father of the heavenly lights. In other words, he is the creator of the universe. All those stars, the beauty, the wonder of that. The next time you look up at the night sky and it's not all cloudy and raining, remember to praise God. We need to open our eyes and see the beauty and wonder that's all around about us. The clouds we've talked about, blue sky we've talked about, but what about plants, trees? Trees are wonderful. You love looking at trees? We've got a big gum tree opposite our balcony out the front and one of the limbs goes way out like this. I'm sure it's going to fall down in some storm because there's so much weight. But the branches, they're beautiful. Flowers, what about flowers? Aren't flowers spectacular in their colour and design and variety? We should give glory to God for that. The glory is all around us. Animals, so many different kinds. Rivers, mountains, people. Our bodies are an amazing creation whether you talk about the ears or the eyes or the smell, just incredible. Babies, aren't they evidence of the creating power of God? Love, peace, freedom, so much more that speaks about who God is. Every day and every night displays and shows the knowledge and the glory and the wisdom of God, their creator, our creator. Don't forget to praise and worship God 
for all his good gifts. Verses 3 and 4, part A, teach us one important truth about God. The testimony of creation can be understood in every language on earth. Verse 3 says, <clears throat> there is no special, sorry, there is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. One of the most frustrating things about going to Myanmar is the trouble you have in understanding what they're saying and what you're trying to communicate to them. It drives me crazy. I just test my patience endlessly. As often happens, one day I was catching a, tra- a taxi this, this last trip and uh, the taxi driver, I told him the, the hotel I wanted to go to, which is near the airport, so it's fairly well known, main part of the, the city. Yes, yes, I know the place, he says, only you'd be taken to the wrong hotel. Google Maps now works in Myanmar, so I pulled out my phone, but the driver couldn't read English. But what he could read was numbers, so 850 metres and the arrow goes like this. So I'm holding my phone and he's looking at it and I'm pointing to the numbers and going left. We got there. A little bit later than we intended, but we still got there. Notice that this message, these sermons that come from God through creation can be understood by everyone everywhere in the world regardless of the languages they use. Also, this last trip when I was uh, going to meet Naomi in Thailand at a resort, a Christian resort, <coughs> I caught a taxi. Just the bus takes about six hours, so I thought I'll go by taxi. It didn't take that long. He was sitting on 120, 130 kilometres. He had two phones. He was using both of them, one to talk to people and to look at his Google Maps or whatever they have over there, I assume it's Google, and the other one he'd talk into in Thai, <laughs> And then he'd push a button and it'd come up on the screen in English and then say what he wanted to tell me. There goes this building was built by so-and-so or this river goes there. And So he's got two phones and 130 kilometres an hour. Well, God overcomes that, doesn't he? With the message in the clouds and in creation. No communication problems. When you travel overseas, you travel by faith. <laughs> yep. It doesn't matter what country you come from or what language you speak, the message is clear. Everyone can see it. God does exist. He has created all we see around us as evidence of his glory and his power. Even if you are deaf, you can still hear this sermon from God. Even if you are blind, you can feel and sense this message from God. Mankind refused to accept these facts, but they are no less true just because of a rejection of some of mankind. The theory of evolution has been used as an attempt to explain away the wonders of creation, but it's a poor substitute for the truth of God's word. Many scientists have said that millions of years ago there was absolutely nothing in existence. Then for no apparent reason this nothing started to create a chain reaction, eventually resulting in a big bang that created everything else. So did you get that? Nothing suddenly created everything. That's amazing faith, isn't it? Terrible logic. They misinterpret the evidence that we see all around us that God is a creator and we need to put our faith in him. Verse 4b through to verse 6 teach us two things about God. Firstly, God placed the sun just in the right place. In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun, it says. 
The God of the Bible created the sun. He put it at just the right place in the universe so that it provides light, heat and protection for us here on earth. The sun displays the amazing knowledge and wisdom of God. Here's a picture of a sun. It's quite an amazing thing and uh, they're actually sending a probe out there now that's going to go closer than ever before to try and understand what's happening in the sun. The sun is actually just one of many stars that we see in the night sky. Our sun is uh, so big that uh, one million planet Earths could fit inside the sun, if you can imagine that, one million. The Earth's pretty big, particularly if you start trying to walk around it. Our sun is so big that, um, well, it's not the biggest sun, it's an average-sized sun in actual fact, the scientists tell us, the cosmologists, but God has made it especially for us. It's not too big, it's not too small. There is one sun out there that is the same size, roughly, as our entire solar system. So if you can imagine when you learn to school, the solar system, all the planets, that's pretty big. There's one sun that they've found that's that size. God created that sun as well. If our sun was closer to us, we would freeze, no? We'd be like a marshmallow on a fire that's too hot. If the sun was further away, we'd freeze to death. God is good. Secondly, God set the course of the sun to follow. Verse 6, it rises at one end of the heavens and makes that circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. Many years ago, people thought that the sun was actually stationary at the centre of the solar system. And before that, they thought the Earth was the centre of the solar system. Telescopes make a difference. More recent studies have revealed that actually the sun is moving. It is on, along with our solar system, is moving on a circuit through the Milky Way, which is the galaxy in which we are located. The sun is actually moving at 500,000 miles per hour. It will take an estimated 230 million years to complete its full circuit. I wonder if it's ever completed a circuit, if the Earth is not as old as some tell us it is. We also talk about the sun rising in the east and travelling to the west, don't we? Uh, this is much more likely what the writer of the psalm has in mind, I think. God paints wonderful pictures whenever we see these beautiful sunrises and sunsets. Actually, they really should be called earth rises and earth sets, but we don't want to get technical about these things, do we? So every day the sun rises in the morning and sets in the evening as the earth circles the sun. Every sunrise and sunset shouts out to us that God is an amazing creator who is providing the perfect conditions to enable us to live. There's a picture of a sunset here that I picked up. I, I love sunsets. I don't love sunrises as much because I'm a night person, but when I do see them, if I'm up, they are an amazing thing. The world is not perfect because of Adam's sin, but there are still plenty of things that we can thank and praise God for. Without the sun, food would not grow. God uses the sun to supply what we need to eat. Without storms and lightning, the ground would not get water and nutrients that's needed for food and plants to grow. We need to thank God for every new day, which is a gift of his grace. Do you do that? Do you thank God when you wake up and before you go to sleep? Do you see the glory of God in creation or are you missing it? Jesus is the creator. John chapter 1, the passage we started our service with today, reminds us of who Jesus is. John 1 verses 1 to 3 and then I'll read 
verses 10 to 13. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Verse 10. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Clearly, Jesus is the creator. God created, God the Father created through him. Verse 1. Verse 2 says, Jesus was there in the beginning. That is, before time, before creation. Jesus created the universe, now earth, and everything else in it, verse 3. If there was a big bang, Jesus created it. Someone else said, I believe in the big bang, but it hasn't happened yet. It's called judgment day. A good perspective, isn't it? Most people reject Jesus as their creator and Lord, as we see in verse 11. The majority of the people want to believe in anything else but in what the Bible says. But those who receive and believe, it says in verse 12, receive and believe in his name, he gives the right, the privilege to become children of God. Those who receive and truly believe do so because they are supernaturally born again by God. Verse 13, it's something that God does through the Holy Spirit. Are you responding to the message of creation and the creator? Have you submitted to Jesus or are you rejecting Jesus as your creator? We started our time together by asking the questions, similar questions anyway, what is the most important thing about you? It's an important question. Do you now better understand that what you believe about God and Jesus is the most important thing about you? Are you making sure that you believe the right things about who God is and who Jesus is? Because it is our knowledge of God and Jesus that determines how you think, how you act, what you believe, what you worship, how you live, how you invest your life and where you spend eternity. Let's pray. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for the testimony of creation, the starry night, the clouds, the blue sky and so much more. You are an amazing God of great glory. We worship you. We thank you for the testimony of your holy word that reveals so much to us about what you are like. We thank you for sending Jesus to this earth and for all that he has done for us and for all those who would believe in your word. Please forgive us for failing to glorify you in our speaking and thinking. Please forgive us for thinking that wealth and education and possessions are the most important things about us. We ask for the help of your Holy Spirit to conform our thinking and speaking to the truth of your word. Enable us, we pray, to live lives that honour you. May our worship reflect your holiness and glory. Help us to invest our lives in your service. Please enable us to take this revelation of your glory to the whole world, to every language and people group. May our lives and witness draw others to follow the Lord Jesus. May the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We pray in Jesus' name.